Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Kero. My name is Hans. I'm Edward. And we are your hosts for now and forevermore. Or until we sail away with a boat full of money. I mean, I don't know if I, <laughs> I don't know if I want to if I want to sail away with the money. I mean, I want kind of want to spend it. No, the, the implication <laughs> is that you've got the money in this country and you're sailing away with it. So you still... Oh, okay, so it's kind of like in relation to everything that's been going on. Okay. Exactly. Fair enough, fair exactly. enough, fair enough. Um, welcome, Vamorites, to another wonderful episode. If you are new, welcome to what we feel is the internet's best podcast for gaming, entertainment, technology, and lifestyle News, reviews, and previews, all wrapped up in a wonderful, geeky... I was going to say capsule, but I was uh, thinking... Do you know how many... Uh, no, I'm Edward, thinking, no. You know how many times I've I'm had capsule? I'm thinking medication, okay? <laughs> well, capsules are cool. There are different kinds of capsules. No, that is that is not a good enough... <laughs> Haven't you ever watched Dragon Ball Z? <laughs> um, capsule Corp, yeah. Okay, so, exactly. so what is it all wrapped up in? Please, not capsule, because we've had that, like, ad infinitum. <laughs> well, I don't know. A vaccine, what do you call because the, I had my what vaccine. What do you call the thing a vaccine is in? <laughs> an ampule, probably. The, no, yeah, there we go, an ampule. Okay, so... Okay. Because the vaccine itself can't be... It can't wrap around something. Well, no. either way. <laughs> Welcome to Ghetto episode 66, season 2, episode 24. We hope that you will enjoy this episode as much as we enjoy talking to you all about it. So as I mentioned, um, I've had the first jab of the uh, Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine and I'm doing okay. <laughs> Little except. Yeah, little, little headachey. Uh, I no longer sleep because apparently it's a one in one thousand chance of sleeplessness. Hi, my name is Hans. I have no, you just never sleep anyway. <laughs> you just never sleep anyway. I think you, you know so. what? I, I must be honest. I think it probably compounds on the fact that I don't sleep in any case. So it's just kind of decided that you have, like, yeah, bitch, this is what you're gonna get. Anyway, um, I'm feeling okay. Arm is it's ever so slightly tender, but you know what? Cool, you know, this is the first step to hopefully living a once again normal life, even if these vaccines become yearly boosters. It's okay, you know, whatever. If, what have we got to do, hey Ed? Yeah, let's let's And how are you doing? You know? How are you doing? I'm good. I'm decent. I've been get, I've been having like a beat of what do you call it? A <laughs> continual headache, I guess, for for Days and days now since the last. Recording. You know, I can't even but say on my side. That I'm living it's with it. Just from the vaccine, either. I think it's just winter and the cold. Yeah. And just this, uh, <laughs> the dryness constant, of the air. This constant dreariness, you know. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I, I suppose we're both okay. Um, and so yeah. let's get straight into the weekly question that we normally have. And Edward mm-hmm. put this one forward because it actually links through to one or two things we'll speak about within this episode. And it is, if you could keep an unconventional pet, what would it be? Hmm. Ed? 
So I don't know. <laughs> I didn't think about the <laughs> well, answer. Well, I mean, for that one. look, you already have um, conventional pets, right? So you have yes, uh, you have what cats, dogs, and a bird. Um, yes. Now, you know, I, I suppose to an extent, some people might think that unconventional would be like a spider or a snake, but I'm I'm hoping for really unconventional. Like I know that um, my uh, taken from Australia would want a pet otter. Which is just that is a very unconventional pet. That's not something That's that dope. you can just go to a, a store and buy. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so given, well, given that, like, 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 what is the first thing that comes to mind? If like money was no object and you could just, you know, get some pet just to have a lynx. Really? Why? I love them. Um, I've always been obsessed with lynxes. Okay. Um, and I like them a lot. I don't think you're allowed to. Except for the caracal, you are allowed to own a caracal if you've got the license, but you're not allowed to own a link. I well, the, the actual did not proper link. Wow. All right. So yeah, I would I would have a link. That is interesting. Yeah. That is very interesting. What about you? A dinosaur. <laughs> An animal that exists. <laughs> no, no, no. It was unconventional pet. Okay, and if money okay, was so no a object- crocodile and or bird. <laughs> no, no, no. You know, you know, this is the strangest part. This is the strangest thing. So I, I don't actually like reptiles, and I'm not into birds. Like, like for me, a pet, it's it's a cat or a dog. You know, I don't don't, don't give me rodents. Uh, don't give me the lizards or like stuff like that. And yet, and yet, mm-hmm. yet. But I love a pet dinosaur. Love a pet dinosaur. Yeah. What like kind of dinosaur? <laughs> right? That wasn't that wasn't the thing. So like as much as I'd love to say something like a velociraptor, I don't want to kill myself because that's what, what will happen. It will inevitably eat me. Okay. Much like how snakes sometimes bite their owners and wrap around their arms. And you know, it's a reptile. The reptilian brain is not suited to captivity in that sense. All right. So I would think maybe something herbivorous. So maybe, you know, with some extra gene modification, you know, kind of like how you get um, mini dogs, right? I'd get like a mini, mini triceratops or something. (laughs) But even that'll, that'll bite your ankle. Well, I mean, I don't know about biting your ankle. It might stab you a little bit by running into you with its horns if it gets angry, I suppose. So, oh, imagine like a mini triceratops <laughs> well, born in the thing your is, ankle. Like, like, I mean, I, I, you, I, I couldn't even say like ankylosaurus because if I ha- if there was one, it would use the end of its tail to knock your your legs in. Well, what's the? How many herbivore dinosaurs are there? Many, many. So maybe one of those. But that's what I'm saying. And that'll be an easy an- to take an care ankylosaurus of as well. is also one. So is a pachycephalosaurus well, then- or a parasaurolophus? Or oh, you know what'd be cool. A um, a mini brachiosaurus. I think that would be cool. That or yeah, a patasaurus or, or something. Yes, correct? yes, something like that might might yeah. actually be um, cooler. You know, actually, there's this photo um, long ago now. Um, I still have it somewhere on on Facebook, where a bunch of cats were eating, and it from far away it looked like a bunch of brachiosauruses. Oh, I've seen um, that. No, no, yes. there, were, there were lemurs. They were lemurs. Oh, lemurs. <laughs> and see, see, I can picture that, envision that kind of thing in your backyard. <laughs> you know, and I think, yeah, that, that a mini brachiosaurus, that'll look I'm perfect down. in your backyard. I'm, I'm down for mini, mini brachiosaurs. 
Now yeah. we just need we just need uh, these billionaires to to actually do it instead of going into space, which we will be speaking oh. about a bit later on in the episode. I know that would have been like the perfect segue, but um, we have other things <laughs> yeah. lined up, <laughs> namely to do with unconventional pets and Nicolas Cage's latest film, which is called Pig. So right off the bat, it's exceptional. Just I'm going to just put it out there. It's, it's a great film. It is well-produced, well-shot, well-acted, and it has a really unconventional yet engaging narrative, which in my opinion is so rare for Hollywood movies today. You know, to get a film that is not only entertaining and engaging, but just good. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like that, I mean, I mean, yeah. unconventional, you know, it's not the same story told again and again and again. So mm-hmm. what, what makes Pig so good is how it's initially, initially, at least in the, the first, I'd say maybe half of the film, it does feel very much like a um, kind of like a bit of a John Wick style thing going on right but seems like that's the name of the game <laughs> nowadays i mean but so many so many things are john wick right right now yeah, we're like trying to nobody... now what the movie is about and what you eventually discover because it's not all straightforward that's what i love about it is how through a series of unusual events like fight club styled events you come to realize that nicholas cage is a prolific chef who has been living in isolation for over a decade. Now, in that time, he does uh, he does look for truffles. You know, which are those? Um, uh, uh, if you know what a truffle is, it's 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 yeah. like that weird. It's almost like a like mushroom style thing, uh, and they have a very yeah. unique uh, taste and flavor. And they're also quite expensive. So in not that great though. So so he's not a. So you you only discover later on that he's this prolific chef. But up until before you discover that he's been living in isolation in the woods, and he finds truffles with his pig, his pet pig, who he absolutely adores. And what ends up happening is um, people steal the pig, and then he goes on this mission to find out where his pig is. And you know, again, that sounds very very John Wick. You know what happened to the dog, and they go. But then the movie takes the most, like I said, the most interesting twist, where you realize that the man is a chef. And then there's this whole underground element to it about how he's this chef that you say his name and people like bow down because he was so good and so prolific that when he disappeared, it was like the 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 restaurant industry in wherever the the, the film was shot, like they lost a savant, just collapsed. You know, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. So it's just this, it's just so interesting. And then again, further, you know, further elaborating on that, you know, where where John Wick was all about like revenge and you know he, for his dog, but, but then it was compounded because obviously his family was dead, and you know the 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 dog was a a gift or whatever the case is, right? From so his wife, yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, you you find out while watching Pig. Or, or rather, I don't want to say what you find. What happens in Pig is that the movie ends up really being about love. And I know that sounds strange, but you have to watch it to understand. Uh, just the way that everything comes together. 
and how through his love of making food, love prevails. It's the, it's, I know that sounds so weird, but it's just cheesy. It's such, <laughs> no, no, not even cheesy. It's just, it's such a good movie. It, it turns, it, it subverts you at every, every like, you know, sort of juncture. And just mm. you just end up being like, wow, that's that's awesome, you know? Okay. So yeah, sounds Pig, cool. Pig, very good. Nicholas Cage is fantastic in the role, and um, it's one of the most unusual and absolutely worthwhile movies to have come out in 2021, in my personal opinion. <laughs> okay, that's fair. And now again, once again, keeping on conventional, unconventional pets. So he had a pig. Um, and as we've discussed many, many times, pigs can be quite intelligent. But Edward, Edward, do you know what yes. else, rather unfortunately for you, is also quite intelligent? Well, looking at the notes, I can see what it is <laughs> and I'm already horrified. Okay. So. Spiders. Now, not all of them. And now this is this is a, a very interesting new piece of research um, via Science Alert. And it has to do with the fact that we know as, as mammals, right, we have the, or rather, you know, mammals in general, not just humans, mammals. They have the ability yeah. to distinguish between what is real and what is, I mean, what is biological and what is not. You know, kind of like, that's a tree but that's a giraffe, if that makes sense. Okay. okay? It's especially when it comes to movement. Um, now, we as humans are, are incredibly apt at, at, at you know, doing things like this. You know, we, can we can identify different kinds of motion, which is why, in a way, we're like the apex predator of the planet because you know, we can cognitively think and so on and so forth. So anyway, yeah, yeah. what they've discovered is that um, invertebrate animals can also now allegedly distinguish between um, inanimate and animate objects, which nobody knew before. So nobody, so you know, like if you looked at a little jumping spider, right? Um, you would it 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 often seems like it knows that you're there and it jumps away from you. Now yeah. through this new research, they have conclusive proof that it can do exactly that. It actually can tell the difference between biological motion, so you know, creature moving and something static like leaves or branches or whatever the case is. And oh. the research is, is, um, is interesting because it's the first time that they've been able to create a reproducible test, meaning that they can now mm. test other vertebrates. I mean, I don't think that's, that's fascinating. You know, as always, we will link, yeah, yeah, we'll link okay. to the article and, you, and you, can, uh, you can go and read a little bit more about it and how they did it and so on and so forth. So it like tell me, yeah, you know yeah. now that you know this, <laughs> yes, how does it make you feel? Even worse, <laughs> even about the spiders, because that just means now they know when to when to look out <laughs> for a human. So now they know when to bite me or bite you. You see, now, and but now, kill but now someone. that's the interesting thing about it because. The study specifically looked at um, little jumping spiders because, you know, of the way they move mm -hmm. and react in that. So it didn't really, you know, pay careful attention to whether a spider knowingly knows what you are before it bites. A majority of the time, from what I understand, that comes down to like self-preservation. 
as a means of mm-hmm. you know protecting itself versus uh you know dying at your cheek you know <laughs> or whatever whatever <laughs> the case is um but yeah it, i wonder if they could maybe adapt this at a later stage or in the future to you know find out a bit more you know what are the what are their choices you know are they really as complex as we think they are um well I mean, this is still, it's, it's like newfoundling research, this. It's just sort of yeah, broaching yeah. The, the, the tip of like the proverbial iceberg. Oh, at least that's what mm. it seems. I mean, I don't know. The start of the web. Okay, well, not, not that kind of web. <laughs> I mean, I, I know you definitely don't like them, right? You've often referred to them in a certain way, spiders. Yeah, like devil creatures devil spawn <laughs> spawn <laughs> ah now with with what edward has just said on the mind there is a very good new true crime drama from oh. showmax which is a south african um, streaming service it's the first true crime drama that they've developed and it is called devil's door and it is about the appointment murders that took place in 2016. Uh, are you aware of that at all, Ed? Um, it made news, I believe, but I can't remember so if I was this is aware. the interesting thing about it is I honestly cannot recall this at all. At all. Mm. Like, I didn't even know that this happened. And this, was, this is startling to me because I used to go to university in Rudapur during that time. And that's like literally on the border of Krugersdorf. So I mean, I know, right? My wedding's gonna be on the border of Krugersdorf. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so the way that the the, the way that Devil's Door begins is it starts off with three unassumingly connected murders in 2016, um, mm. which all have the same modus operandi, meaning that these are people who went to meetings and ended up in the boots of their cars dead of course and so you know the media dubbed it the appointment murders at least at that time however and this is where it just i mean like i had no idea and, and this this documentary it, it blew my mind a little bit you know especially because it's in south africa you know i mean how how mm-hmm. often do you come across a south african true crime story and essentially what happens is they investigated it and then it turned out that through the investigations they realized that these three murders were linked to a further eight cold cases and other murders, bringing the total to eleven. And then what? What the? What, what the? What? What the whole show does is it does this really great job of throwing you back in time, all the way back to twenty twelve, and talking about these cases that were never solved. And then it spins the most incredible web of of how it all came to be and how this woman cecilia stain was at the center of it all um, an alleged 42nd generational satanic witch which ended up being total bollocks and she made it all up but either way um she did this and managed to rope under her wing um a, a woman and her two children and a young married couple and a few others along the way. But if you do watch it, I'd rather let you discover it. And in so doing, and, and this is the most interesting thing about it, is 
from what we understand is um, she went to this church and she was asking them for help because she was apparently, she wanted to get out of being a Satanist. And of course, this church decided to help her, in particular, a, a lady called Ria um, Grunewald. And when they took her in, she uh, she became quite demanding. In other words, she told them that she needed them around all the time to prevent her from being attacked by satanic rituals, right? Anyway, they all lapped it up and mainly because they felt that they were doing the Lord's work by helping this woman come out of Satanism, right? And I, I only mentioned this just as a very, very briefly, because it's all, it's all kind of explained in the first episode. I have to mention this because through that, this lady manages to... I don't know how she. I don't know how she did it, and that's one of the issues of the 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 documentaries because they never really discuss it. But she manages to persuade the small group of people to to so that they can believe that she has the voice of God, um, because she's been led away from Satan, and then she creates her own group called Electus Perdeus, which is chosen by God, and then they believe. That because she's a Satanist and only and she has unique insight into how to defeat the devil, that they should listen to her because then they'll be doing God's word. And it just through that religious aspect, they they hang on her every word and eventually commit murder in her name. And it's just the most fascinating look at how normal people can get pulled in and sidetracked. Because of either their intense belief in something or because they have a void that they're trying to fill. And when, in one of those that, you could, that they sort of detail in the show is how these people who ended up following Cecilia, they all um, felt like they needed to do more in their lives. And that's why by following her and, you know, beating Satan, they thought that that's what they were doing, you know. Uh, so it, 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 it's, 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 it's fascinating. If anything, it's fascinating. Um, Ariel wrote the review. It's really good. Go and read it if you have a chance. Alternatively, feel free to binge watch it from the 29th of July um, exclusively on Showmax. But it's look, it, it's not perfect. It has its faults as well from a documentary standpoint. And by that, I mean, you know, it never really answers certain questions. You know, like what were Cecilia's motivations for all of this? Was it just money? Was it something else? Like it never really gets answered. You know, as well as like the psychology behind how she technically formed a cult. You know, that they don't really uh, get into it very much, which is a bit of a shame because those are very interesting topics that they they could have fleshed out a little bit more just to uh, make it a bit more rewarding for the viewer to watch. Mm. Um, you know, interestingly enough, and, and as Ariel puts it in her review as well, and um, one of the reasons why those initial cold cases never really went any further was because they were derailed by the fact that the original colonel on the case was so obsessed with the occult and that he kept saying it was an occult uh, you know it was occult related occult related occult related but it actually wasn't and because of that they never linked any of the the future cases to it if that makes sense how was it not related to the occult so look the the sh it does a good job of 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 the show does a good job of looking at a lot of professionals right um mm -hmm. those from the cult related unit in the the saps as well as psychologists and other and other people 
And yeah. through their analyses of what happened, they clearly tell you that just because somebody has written or, or has put a demonic symbol on something at a murder scene doesn't make it occult-related. Because generally, oh, no. yeah, yeah, but, but that's what happened. So in a lot of those murders, there were occult things. Like somebody left like a, 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 a werewolf toy there. Or they would put a chicken claw somewhere in the scene. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the initial, what, what I'm trying to get at is that the very initial kernel was so obsessed with the occult perspective that it actually made the cases run dry. And the, why I have to mention that is because, unfortunately, Devil's Dorp the show does the same thing. It has this mm-hmm. major occult vibe to it, which is very clearly done for shock value. But then they never really show you, like, I mean, they, they explain the facts and they explain certain things, but they never really get into it as in-depth as I feel that they should have to really explain, mm-hmm. like, the rationale behind what happened and why Cecilia is the way that she is, if you get what I'm saying. But overall, yeah, though, yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's entertaining, if anything. It's an entertaining watch. And there are a lot of WTF moments in this. A lot of WTF moments in this. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a... It's a decent show. So worth watching. Um, okay, that's I don't cool. know, Ed, is there anything you'd like to... I mean, I know I've been... I'm just talking about it. I know you haven't seen it, but and is I, there anything... Any questions? I mean... I'm just thinking, like, you say that, that they could have gone into the psychology and what, what, but I'm thinking that the thing's name is Devil Dorp. So maybe they, they're only trying to convey what, how it affected the Kruger's Dorp as in, in a general uh, the people. aspect, yes, 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 yeah, more than the actual cult and this lady Cecilia or whatever. I mean, Maybe? that's that's semi fair because it does it is focused a lot on I guess the victims and their families. You know, they all talk and they they speak and that and it's just it would have been nice to know a little bit more. And yeah, well, the, the, look, question. I say this because specifically from that cult perspective, right? So this is going to lead me into another show that I, we recently watched on Netflix. Uh, sorry, not on Netflix, on HBO. And it's called Nexium. Now, I'm not sure if you've heard about this before, Ed. I've seen it and it looks amazing. So, but that's it. I remember hearing about Nexium years ago because yes. Alison Mack from Smallville was mm. caught up in it. And I remember back yeah. back in the day being like, "What? She's in a cult? Like what? You know? Like I couldn't I couldn't believe it. You know? And this was years ago. And like I'm talking a, about like 2008, 2009. This was long, 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 long time ago. And this this HBO documentary series, again a documentary series, is focused on exactly that on the Nexium cult. Now specifically cult. Now that's a bit different to Devil's Door because Devil's Door is more about murders, which inevitably resulted because of a cult which which mm. it, it they became a cult now what, what what i was referring to just now is they don't really explain if if cecilia intentionally created a cult or if it was an unintentional consequence of her like brainwashing them do you know what i mean mm-hmm. um, and and i say mm. that because in in nexium it starts off very uh very basic about about this company where you go there and you do like you do their um their programs which help you get through anxiety and stuff and and the weirdest 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 part is that these programs actually worked like 
celebrities went to do this because it actually worked. In other words, if somebody had a fear of something, doing what what Nixium offered actually helped them. And to me, that, that was the most fascinating draw to this show. Because if, if it worked, could that not then be applied to other things? But then yeah. it, everything starts unraveling. And you start realizing that this Keith Ranieri guy, who is the head of Nixium, um, actually employed a lot of um, psychosocial, uh, uh, what, what is it, like psychosocial methods in the way he speaks and talks to people and in his courses that without it being blatant, inevitably prep you to, you know, listen to what he has to say. Like, like, like whatever he says is, is, is gospel. Jeez. But, okay. but there's so much more to it though. Like, um, like one of the, one of his heads that worked with him in the company, she was, I think at the time, America's number one um, neuropsychologist. And she actually mm-hmm. had written papers on hypnosis and using, so she was a neurolingual, I think, psychologist, or something like that, where just by using voice, you could persuade people to do things and to believe okay. things. Anyway, it's, uh, I, I can keep talking a lot about it, but what I really want to get at is yeah, that yeah, yeah. as interesting as Nixium is overall, right? And it's, it's interesting to see what happened and how, how it seemingly went from offering something genuine that I still, part of me still believes could maybe be harnessed for the greater good, which is what, which was what yeah. it was his whole spiel behind doing what he did. You know, you know, it's so, it's so opposite to Cecilia in Devil's Door because, because you never really know what her motivations are, you know? But in this one, yeah. Keith Ranieri's motivations are to better the world, all right? But what's interesting about it is that like one of the biggest questions I was left wondering is if he never pushed his narcissism to the point where he enrolled Alison Mack and all of these other women into the secret cult within the bigger cult, <laughs> would, yeah. would it have fallen apart? And, and, you know, would the methods he employed then be seen the way that they're viewed today? versus actually possibly being beneficial. Because the, 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 the first so. season, has it, it, the way it showcases everything is it makes it really look like the processes that were involved in the, at least those basic courses. I mean, I'm not talking about going up in higher levels within Nixium, right? But just those basic yeah, yeah. like emotional courses where they help people break through anxieties and that like, like that there has to be something good there, right? Right? Probably. <laughs> That's the thing with all of these psychological stuff. Like, I think 99.9% of anything psychological can be applied in a good way. It's just people choose to not do that. <laughs> then That's again, the maybe not. Now, now, hear me out now. Hear me out now. But yeah. before I keep carrying, because now I want to discuss it, right? So, um, Devil's yeah. Ops good. Watch that. Nixium is it's distinctly average. Just because I feel that every now that every now and again they really do like drag it on. Like where Devil's Dorp is okay. four episodes, Nixium is like nine, and then it ends on a cliffhanger where you have to wait for season two, and that irritated me. Because uh, anyway, I, I think they purposely did it to split it into seasons. Anyway, anyway. Um so one 
big sort of link between these two shows and the whole cult aspect of it is that it really does seem to prey on the void that people have in their lives. So Mm. in Devil's Door, the people that were part of Cecilia's inner circle, cult, for lack of a better word, felt that they needed to do more in their lives, specifically under the name of God. Okay? And then they felt that Cecilia was the key. Despite the fact that, you know, the moment Cecilia started talking about murder, like warning bells should have gone off, right? But I suppose that's why if you're in a cult, you know, you don't realize it, right? Now, in Nixium, it seems like, you know, a lot of the people that went through and benefited from the courses all seemingly seemed like they were missing something. Like mm. either, or not necessarily missing something, but maybe were unhappy with something, you know, like um, maybe they felt they weren't worthy of their success or they felt that they needed more of a purpose. You know, it, it almost, it, it, I know it sounds strange, but it almost seems like the, the link between these two and these cults was very much purpose driven. Like, what is your purpose? And if yeah. you don't have one, we'll help you find your purpose. You Terms, see? Yeah. Now, what's interesting again with that is that, you know, where in Devil's Dorp, they were driven to murder. In Nixium, and eventually it comes down to where Keith Ranieri had a harem, basically, of these women. Who, it was called Doss. Um, uh, like uh, uh, Dominus something. I, I can't remember the exact name, but basically like you're a, you're a submissive to the, the, the master. And in, this, in Doss, um, Keith was the master. And then under him, he had, he had other masters and one, uh, he had slaves, sorry. And one of those was Alison Mack. But Alison Mack was, Alison Mack was a first tier slave. So then she then became a master to slaves below her. And that's literally, <laughs> literally the terminology. No, for real, that's literally the terminology. So you think to yourself, I mean, who on earth would want to be called a slave to a master and report to them all the time and ask them when they can eat? And okay, now and I can see your face, Edward. And how you're thinking of BDSM. <laughs> this is not, this is not, this is not the same. But this is obviously worse. This, this, not yeah. worse. This is, this is different. So people who like BDSM actively seek yeah. out being a submissive. Okay. Yeah, yeah. In Nixium, and also weirdly enough, as a bit of a correlation to what happened with the Devil's Door crew, is they, they felt that they needed to belong and that they were missing a purpose. And through DOS in Nixium and through Cecilia in Devilsdorp, they found a greater purpose with which to live their lives. You see? And then in, and then in mm. that, they sort of become, I suppose, in a, I don't know how you say brainwashed, I guess, to believe that yeah. whatever this, this master or guru that's helping them so much can, well, can only want good for them. Despite the fact, despite the fact that both of these cult leaders would actually, on several occasions, break down their members. But of course, that's obviously, you know, that then makes me think of Stockholm Syndrome. That's kind of how it works. No, it's like Stockholm yeah. Syndrome. You, know, you, you, exactly. you break somebody down to the point where they feel that being broken down is actually a reward. Yeah. You know? So it, yeah. it's just, it's weird to talk about like two cults. That wasn't the purpose of the last two weeks in my life. Um, I mean, well, <laughs> I mean, we went from watching Nixium to watching Devil Dorp, and it just so happened that you know, as we were watching Nixium, 
the public relations rep for Showmax was like, hey, we've got this show. Do you want to watch it? And I was like, yes, I want to see it. <laughs> of course. Duh. Um, you know, so it's just, it's just uh, interesting, you know? And, and yeah. You know that you know sometimes you know when when people talk about cults and stuff they you you think of psychotrophics right you know like like you know sometimes cults do use that like I think um, I can't remember the word. it was one way back in the past that used like um, I think it was heroin to sort of get the people to stay with them and to be in a perpetual high to reach uh, that, that's a, you know <laughs> nirvana or what <laughs> that's a common um, sex trade ah there, yeah there we go yeah now. This is not really related to cults, but I'm bringing that up because we've mentioned CBD on the podcast before. And um, one of the ways to take CBD is to put it under the tongue. And I've Mm. often wondered, like, does that actually work? You know, there's always that like, oh, you know, gets absorbed faster into the body, you know? And and, and, And I was left wondering, is that really true? So I've started taking CBD oil because I'm trying to get myself to sleep, despite not ever Just being able it. to and and last night being one of the worst nights i've had in a very long time um yeah. and so i thought well does it actually work and it turns out that yes yes actually putting stuff under your tongue is a legitimate thing it's actually called yeah. sublingual administration where sublingual is um it's a latin word for under the tongue <laughs> yeah, below tongue. Right? Isn't that cool? Oh, okay. Anyway, so I looked just a little bit more into it, and it turns out that because the the mucosal membranes are quite thin, um, putting any any medicine or whatever under the tongue, it actually absorbs straight into those mucosal membranes, and then from there it goes straight into the veins that are there. And it turns out that like your main arterial veins actually, when they go up at the back of your neck, there they actually split down under your tongue, and that's why mm. when you put things underneath there. You can absorb it a lot it's quicker, just, right? Children are stupid. <laughs> and I remember being in high school. Um, there was stories and it happened um, to one kid in in our, not in our grade, in the grade after. They put chalk under their tongue. Why? And they fainted. <laughs> I don't know why. Maybe it was some TikTok thing. I was Before TikTok, to yeah. I'm still too old to understand it. Do it for the vine. Um, and yeah, they fainted. And this explains why. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, what was in the chalk? That's what I want to know. Well, chalk, I guess. No, but, chalk, but, but just coal. I don't know. What 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 is in chalk? What is Isn't chalk? it calcium? But, Isn't chalk calcium? Anyway, so what, what do you think could be in chalk to cause people to faint? I mean, well, of course, chalk what is, is under a- the tongue, of course. What is in chalk? It's a carbonate rock, a form of sediment, limestone. That's what it is. Well, I don't know. I've never heard of limestone making people faint, but okay. <laughs> Neither have I, but okay. That's chalk. <laughs> well, look, anyway, it's it's apparently a very effective means of uh, medicinal administration into the body. And, you know, that's could cool. help for if you want to kill yourself. <laughs> I, <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean for it to go <laughs> or, that dark. Or heal yourself. Actually, oh, sorry, yes. To heal. Let me let me just put this disclaimer out there. Um, if anybody ever is thinking about harming themselves in any way, please seek assistance. We will. I will tag this particular section with a repository for. If you have terrible thoughts, to please think them through, because that's not actually what I what I yes. meant. It was just a very very poor segue <laughs> to 
a movie called Blackbird that I want to talk about <laughs> because it actually has to do with with assisted suicide. Yes. All right. So back from that. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing. I, I know, but it, it was really bad on my part. <laughs> um, okay, so Blackbird is it's a it's a pretty it's a decent film. It's good. It's incredibly emotional. If you watch this, have tissues with you because you're gonna cry. You just you're gonna cry. It's just one of those films. It's about a lady, Susan Sarandon, who puts in a truly incredible performance. Um, and she is ill with some degenerative disease. They don't specify which one, because I guess it doesn't really matter. That way, you know, allowing anybody who has a degenerative disease to possibly feel like they can relate to her. Related, yeah. And so she has decided to end her life early before she loses all faculties you know, such as being able to eat or breathe or whatever the case is. And as a result, she plans a weekend with her immediate family. So her husband, uh, two daughters, and then their families, obviously, to come and spend the weekend, the last weekend ever with her before she decides to say goodbye. And it's, it's, it's beautiful, very sad, very, you know, it's, it's touching. Um, you know, there are a few like eh, moments, you know, you know, and you wonder why they were thrown in. But at the same time, um, all believable, though, you know, it's not not out of the realm of possibility, you know, depending on how what people are going through and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, it also stars Sam Neill, Kate Winslet, Rain Wilson, uh, Mia Wasikowski. It's, it's a very, very strong cast. Um, and, um, yeah, it's it's very sad. But it's a good movie. I thought it was a good movie. It was well acted. Um, but I can understand why people wouldn't enjoy it because it is very sad. It, 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 mm. The whole movie is a low note. <laughs> you, you will not come out of it feeling good or happy at all. It's one, it's one of those films. Um, but but well, overall, good, because I suppose the message is to make every moment count. You know, not that you meant to take your life away, whatever. It's, it's to make every moment count and, and spend as much time as you can with those while you still have them. Yeah. I, I think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, plus, Susan Sarandon, she's amazing. Um, she's so good. Her, so imagine, she's so, so, so I imagine good. her delivery is, is she's so, so, phenomenal. So now, yeah. those of you who are watching the video, you'll have noticed I have spectacles on. Um, these are brand new i literally picked them up before doing ghetto i don't know why i got them because i don't feel my eyes are that bad but it's more so to help with because i'm behind a screen for so many hours per day and my eyes are taking strain as a result and with that in mind i see edward has a post here about how our evolutionary origins may be a lie and maybe this is why i have spectacles in my life at this point in time Probably not. But not as old as the skull they dug up um, in 1930. Already? So, so why yeah, are we hearing about it now? Because now there are more evidence to lead us to believe the origins of the skull um, is... is might change the way we think of our own origins, basically. So for the longest time, we we are Homo sapien. Okay, that that is our genus. That is our evolutionary um, track, essentially. 
Um, for the longest time, we it was believed that we have come from the Neanderthal, yes. which is, I forgot which homo he is or they are, um, <laughs> but essentially that might not be the case um, since... The, the, okay, so, so to, to backtrack a bit, they found this the skull, a big skull, uh, bigger than usual, in 1930 in Harbin City. Now that's close to um, Heilongjiang in yeah, Yongjiang yeah. in China, um, and that was put away on display in the Hebei Geo University at the Geoscience Museum. So I think it it was just standing there for like what's it now? Um, Almost a hundred years, but the evidence suggests that this um, skull called uh, the, the skull is actually not Homo sapien. It's it's actually Homo yongi, which translates to dragon man. Ooh, no, I I thought Ooh. that's longi. It's it's actually ayongi. Ooh, tell me more. Yes, now <laughs> I don't know where the dragon comes from. To be fair, oh. um, I the first the first thing <laughs> I thought when I read this was oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> we are reptile men, but no, that's not well, the case. This is this is like my uh, thing. I'm just like, what? What are you wait? What are you trying to tell me now? Like, like exactly. I should have perfect eyesight but, then. <laughs> <laughs> because all dragons have perfect eyesight, I guess. Um so so yeah, the new studies have found that the Homo Yongi lineage may be our closest relative and not the the Neanderthal. Uh, which is actually quite funny because the skull, number one, it's it was perfectly preserved. They found it in in such a perfect detail that they could they could figure out morphological details critical to the understanding of our origin, wow, okay. um, our evolution um, of the Homo genus. Now that's Homo sapien, so Homo young. Is this kind of, of like um, almost like a missing link that they've found or something? Um, not exactly, because obviously we still don't know exactly where we come from and how we evolved from apes. That's still up in question. Assuming we um, did. Assuming <laughs> we did. See, that, that's... So, so they're not filling that gap. They're just filling the gap of where we actually may have come from instead of where we thought we did. Oh, uh, because okay. it's all up in, in... It's still all up. We We don't know these things. We think we do. So, like all ancient skulls, um, this one is also tiny. It won't hold a, a fully grown human brain like all of them okay. because we just evolved to have bigger brains. But it is a bigger skull than all of them. It's the biggest one we've ever found. Um, and un- uh, and just like all of them, they have square sockets. They have big eyebrow uh, ridges. Yes, and basically yes. all of those, it's the same. Wide mouth. Okay, okay, but, but I mean, make, okay, okay. I was, I was, I was just going to say, I was being like, you're tantalizing me here. You like, you keep telling me all the things that are the same, but I want to know what's different. Okay, so basically, <laughs> the it it it's what sets apart from the others is that it was built with a mosaic combination. Now, now I'm not sure what this means, but what they say this means, it's basically it derives it it has diff, different derivative characters to it. Which means the the sockets are different. The the ridges, okay. while it's the do, same, do you mean it? You mean like the 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 actual structure of the skull? Yes, it's mosaic. What is that? Okay, so so 
Uh, so I'm not sure what this means. I couldn't find Because you know what I'm thinking more than, <laughs> when you than say I mosaic. Right? <laughs> what? I'm what? thinking like the backsplash in kitchens and the designs that you can make. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what. Now I'm thinking this might be true. So maybe instead of entirely square, it's more more mosaic i guess which means it's got more rounder holes look more is this is this the only one of its kind that they found yes so so when we're saying mosaic do you think i mean i suppose because this was what 150,000 years ago right Mm, yes i mean this is now i know you're talking about actual science and, and like legit things but like what if there was another civilization that was that's what I'm saying as together. well. That's, that's my belief. Okay, <laughs> that's what I believe as well. Anyway, <laughs> so so because of this different structure, they designated it Homo Yongi, which is mm, again mm. Dragon Man, and it they believe uh, from all the studies now recently they believe this man it, it was a male he was about fifty years in age, and lived in a forested flat plain environment. Now, now, given how large the skull is in particular, they believe um, it was a genus that evolved to, to, to adapt to harsh environments to be able to uh, withstand basically pressure and weather and all of that stuff, yes, basically. Yes. Uh, stuff that we won't be able to withstand naturally. Like, just last night it was so cold and we slept with a heater on because it was bad and you shouldn't do that kids just by the way it dries everything out yeah, yeah. no so, no look i'm curious now because they're saying that this is only yeah. plus minus 140 150,000 years ago right yes i mean if we think about documented civilization i suppose yeah. we know of things like the Egyptians, which were like more than 2,000 years ago to 3,000 years, 4,000. It was 6,000 BC, wasn't it? They went quite far yeah, back. About six, I suppose it's not yeah. 150,000 years back. Um, but okay, so that, that's it. That's very interesting. Yeah. Um, well, what, what tickles my mind, though, is the fact that they say, obviously, what 150,000 years, that's the, the, Pleistice, the Pleistocene era, which is basically the era where all the the our ancestors were were traveling were mm. were migrating so they they are hypothesizing that the homo iongi and the homo sapien could have been in contact with each other they could have encountered each other um even back then and this they could have made obviously it. leads or forced, that's the thing uh, could be and this is why they think this is a closer relative to, to us than the did, Neanderthals are because the Neanderthals oh I see uh, they do were you, too dumb to migrate did they basically. did they reconstruct the face so we could see what it looks like um, there are reconstructions on the internet okay. that you could find okay. uh, but I don't it wasn't done by these researchers oh I see I see um, so googling it yes you can find reconstructions of the face and it looks like just another re- Neanderthal to be fair to me they all look the same I know that's an ignorant thing to say, but I don't see, see the no, difference between what what is most curious and... about finding additional kinds of these origin species. I suppose that's how you want to say mm. it. Is that there must be some credence to it because look at the world yeah. today and look at the different 
races of people. You know how people from Asia Pacific do have different facial features. People from Africa yes. have different facial features. You know, so you know it stands to reason that it's possible that you know all of these hundreds of thousands of years ago there were different lineages, and maybe towards the mod- more modern age, there were only a few left over. Do you know what I mean? Like the the main exactly. ones in all the different locations. You know, like how we have the you know like the Red Indians and we have the Aboriginals. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you know, yes, it's, exactly. this is fascinating. The East Texans. Yeah, this is very, very interesting. And maybe that's what they mean with mosaic face, which means it, it fits closer to what oh. we have, which is round. Maybe. To or, theirs, or, which is square. Or maybe it has, because you see, I understand that although currently today, all humans have a very similar uh, skull structure, Cranium. you can yeah. still tell race from the skull. Because yes. of because of, it's just the way that uh, certain features different. are shaped, all right. Eye sockets are shaped, bro. Yes. Ridges, so yeah. maybe the the mosaic nature of the face is more along the lines mm. of it fits into more of our current racial spread around the globe. That's hey? what I'm thinking. That's yeah. so interesting. But because as we said, ancient craniums they were all square shaped and and big and blocky. Mm. This is explained to be a mosaic. As I said, I don't understand what that means, but I think we are onto something. <laughs> Obviously, this is a conjecture. We don't really know, but this this little tidbit, it's just news. It's still very fresh news as oh, well. Oh, wow. All right. So we, we will be finding out more in the coming days and months, but it's super interesting. That's very interesting. Yeah. That's very interesting yeah. also. Almost as interesting and- as... Countries being turned into anime characters for the Tokyo 2020 Olympics. <laughs> hey. For all of our weebos out there. <laughs> I think that's what they're called, right? I don't actually know. Am I right? Uh, yeah, you're, you're pretty spot on. <laughs> so this next uh, tidbit of information was sent in by Christoffel from South Africa. Thank you very much. And essentially... It has to do with a series of about 15 Japanese artists who took it upon themselves to turn all of the world's uh, flags, specifically for the nations who are participating within the Tokyo 2020 Olympics, into Japanese samurai anime characters. And it's super cool. Like, uh, I don't know. I just, I just think it's, it's really great. So the, my understanding is that the, the reason why they did this is because they wanted to imbue... Japanese heritage into um, the countries coming to Japan. You know, um, Mm -hmm. we all know that the Olympics were postponed from 2020, even though like it was honestly, they had the perfect logo. Everything was so perfect for the 2020 Olympics. It's just, it's such a shame that COVID decided to come around and stuff everything up. Anyway, um, these artists, you know, they took it upon themselves to imbue the flags of the nation with um, Japanese um, samurai culture because the, ja- the Japanese are very proud of their samurai. Um, I want to say origins, but of their samurai heritage. heritage and it's yeah. so cool because they've currently done, at least at the time that I, I, I found this, was possibly more now. Um, eighty-four of the two hundred competing countries within the Olympics, and mm-hmm. um, you know, it's just, it's just, it's done so well because these artists didn't just, you know. Th- thumbsuck ideas and, and create random characters for every nation. What they actually did is they researched every nation 
that, you know, they looked at the flag, they researched the flag, they researched the nation, and then they produced what they thought would be the Japanese samurai equivalent um, in an anime universe from that flag and that nation. And it's just, it's, it's so cool. I mean, they even went so far as to write little blurbs for like the, the strengths and the weaknesses of the characters and their personality. And it's just, it's, I think it's so cool. Like it could be turned into a video game, you know? It's super cool. My only gripe with this is like, okay, so, so it's amazing because like the Mexican flag anime guy, he has an eagle yeah. or a hawk. I can't remember because the Mexican flag has an eagle, which is amazing. My gripe with this is though that the South African guy, which looks amazing, he doesn't have a spear. Does or a he though? Because <laughs> uh, it doesn't. I Bec- no 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 no. He yes, he doesn't have a spear. I just meant like, does he really look amazing though? Because I've I think I've so. looked cool. at all of the others, and I kind of feel like South You're Africa. You're just biased. No, I kind of I kind of feel that like South Africa got the short end of the straw here. <laughs> Well, to be fair, I don't think this guy knew what, what to do with South Africa. Look. Because we're, we're it, such a mixed nation. It is very cool. But I'll, I'll give them that. But Edward is right. Like, you know, they could have had the, the tribal shield. Because some of the other characters, like the USA, Canada, uh, I think even Italy, they all have, like, shields. Mm. You know? Yeah, or something. Now, now, I get that this is Japanese, but the samurai, I think of the... I think of the Edo period, I'm not sure, but they had spears called mochiyari. And we literally had spears. We we came from a, a civilization mm. carrying spears and shields. So that's just well, a small bright. Maybe Otherwise, maybe we missed the the mark when they were talking about these because these artists actually maybe. they actually did take to social media for quite a few of mm. the um these anime samurai interpretations of countries. And like one of the examples was that they actually drew Spain to be a bullfighter. And then a lot of people mm-hmm. actually pushed back because bullfighting has become quite controversial in Spain. They're actually, they're actually trying yeah. to outlaw it. And then Spain yeah. was completely redone. And now the character looks absolutely incredible. So, you know, I'm wondering if maybe <laughs> South Africans just didn't push back. Like nobody was like, hey, no, can you please no. give him a vuvuzela? You know, like <laughs> exactly. They didn't push back because everyone loves the katana. <laughs> oh, it's got it's a samurai. Oh yeah, katana baby. That's why they didn't push back. As always, when we talk about things that we are able to link to, by all means, click the link in the description, and you can have a look yeah. at. Uh, it looks amazing. Look, they they do look. I personally prefer some of the other ones versus South Africa. Yeah, um, yeah. but it's all right. It's still cool. I f- I just feel that they could have been a little bit more. Maybe even like a mask. You know. Or something just a little bit, a little bit more like maybe. tribal, maybe. <laughs> just a little bit more South African. I, I do like the <laughs> the flag bits to it though, like the colors. Oh, of course. I just, yes. I just don't get the what looks like. Um, it looks like a, a, a that that bird. A fan. Oh, a bow. A what? Is it a bow? What, what do you call it? I don't know what you're a talking bow. about. It's a bow in Afrikaans. It's a bow in Afrikaans. <laughs> Um, do you know which one I'm talking about? The beautiful one with all the, the feathers. Yes. Gosh, I can't think yes, of it right. A peacock. A peacock. Oh, in English. A peacock. There we go. Yeah, it's a peacock. So I, I don't know what that... Actually, I don't think it is a peacock. I think it's actually beads. Anyway, I'm, let's not 
focus on it too Maybe, much. Maybe, I don't know. Um, either way... Let's not, cr- let's not scrutinize no, the, 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 the whole thing artist. is cool. Either way, I think it's such a cool initiative. Yes. And I love the fact that, mm. um, you know, the, these group of artists decided to do something really unique and interesting and different to celebrate the Tokyo Olympics. Hey? Yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's, just, it's just cool. And you have more well, Olympic what, info. You know, what else... Yeah. Yeah, what else the Olympics have done this year that's different, I'd say. Um, Do tell. For the, first, for the first time ever, the Olympic company, I don't know if it's a brand or whatever it is, they have um, implemented renewable beds. Because as you know, the, the athlete villages, every four years the Olympic happens, or five years, Many of these athletes, hundreds, you mean thousands the sex of villages need to be. <laughs> I guess so. Um, they need to be to be obviously given a bed to sleep in, you know. And for the first time ever, this is now cardboard, uh, oh. which is made of all the fibers ever. Now, because of its cardboard, though, many people, especially this one ath- Olympic athlete called. Paul Kalimo from the American yeah. team. He went to Twitter to be all, oh no, this is cardboard, so you can't have sex on it. Okay? Listen, listen. The Olympic villagers are known for their grotesque, or not grotesque, for their prolific yes. pumping. Okay? Yes, I mean, <laughs> for the Rio Olympics alone, they issued five, 450,000 <laughs> condoms to their athletes which is about 42 uh, 42 uh, condoms per athlete now that's bad we've we've obviously missed that calling in life we should have been olympic stars yeah right <laughs> <laughs> we, we would have been richer that's for sure um and now, happier well, <laughs> yeah evidently uh but no it turns out that that's a gross fake news um <laughs> turns out these beds can actually hold up to 200 kilograms of weight okay um and the average athlete in rio was 72 that's light hey sure yes now this was all um debunked i guess is the word by irish gymnast rice mcclonaghan or reese mcclonaghan uh who tweeted and then the official olympics account tweeted thanks to him and retweeted it for for Putting an end to the well, to the yeah, he jumped and, on it. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was amazing. Um, and they were like, "Oh, thank you for for clearing that up." Um, so that's they, cool. no, 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 no. Uh, All he did, as the good Irishman that he is, is prove you can still have a great time. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, well, that obviously brought to light the fact that this was cardboard, and I find this fascinating. Um, it's so funny. It, it's um, it's what's the word sponsored by a Japanese bedding company called Airweave, and they provided eighteen thousand beds and mattresses to the Olympic Association, um, and they're actually modular, which fascinates me as well. So it's not just a cardboard structure; it's made to be able to be modified to their athlete sleeping oh, on it. Oh, that's um, cool! Yeah, size and strength. That's and awesome. So. That's super awesome. So maybe this Paul guy, Paul Camilo, Kilimo, maybe he's just a tiny guy and he jumped on his bed and it you know something. I this is know. so Japanese. I love it. I love it. Yes, I just love it. This, if, even their cupboards are cardboard. The, the, the rooms are are 
totally look I, reusable. I, I, I've, I've looked at it. It does the stuff doesn't look like cardboard. It looks like proper no, wood. It looks in phenomenal. It's really well done. It looks like something I would go buy. <laughs> oh, know. I just realized. What? They still have to contend with COVID. <laughs> Yep. Oh, yeah, unfortunately, that's the big thing. Um, you know, I think just last everything, night, including the sex villages. I mean, really. Yep. Uh, I think just last night, actually, uh, the first reported case of positive COVID came from the athlete villages. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. So, well, well, that's going to happen if you have a big ass event, I guess. Mm, well, with a whole lot of raunchy, raunchy individuals. <laughs> exactly. Um <laughs> Do you know what else is raunchy, Hans? Oh, I know. No, while we're on that topic. Oh, I know. What? what? Billionaires are going to space. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going more along the Blue Origins station. Listen, um, I, I realize that there's no real place to put a jingle in, so I'm just going to throw it in before we This speak. is the jingle. We, no, I'm, I'm going to do it before, before we talk about the sex villages. I, I kind of like that. <laughs> Okay, that's fine. Anyway, okay, I so, still think it's so, more educational. So, so, so sexy, tell me, so tell me. Um, okay, yes. okay. So we all know the billionaires are doing whatever they can to get into space because they don't even—they're <laughs> not interested in fixing the Earth, so they just want to go. Okay, like the dumbass. I don't know that what their are. motives whatever, are. Whatever, whatever. <laughs> what, what? Of course, of all of these things, because we know Branson and um, what's uh, the other one's name? The Bezos. Bezos, Bezos right? Oh, um, Musk okay. hasn't gone into space himself yet, but I'm sure he will at some point. No, no. I just think it's just absolutely hilarious how Musk and um, Branson have created yeah. seemingly normal-looking spaceships to to go in to escape the stratosphere. But yeah. then we have Bezos doing the absolute villainous billionaire thing and going up in a dong. Have you listened to this guy speak? He sounds like an evil villain, Hans. There's an interview on YouTube that you can check um, where where he comes with his cowboy hat and his um, uh, Rolex over his spacesuit. If if that doesn't scream rich white man, I don't know what does. Um, Where they interview the guy and they're like, oh, are you happy to go into space or something? I don't recall. And he's all like, Yes, of course I'm. <laughs> and he sounds like a JoJo's Bizarre Adventures evil villain, the way he laughs. Okay? <laughs> the fact that he did, he made his spaceship look like a peanut. Okay, that's just the ultimate joke. <laughs> it's the ultimate that's what billionaire evil thing to do. do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, so hold on. So, hold on. So, he's not just any evil villain. He's the one from Awesome uh, Powers because he's bald as well. Yes, <laughs> he is. One he is million exactly dollars. <laughs> with his with his laser shards and his listen. Pet cat. Let's not put it past him. Okay, good grief. Exactly, I wouldn't put it past Bezos. Now, to be fair, I forgot Blue Origin kind of existed for a while. Um, it's until not his this. company, right? Or, or is it? Is it? No, Blue Origin is owned by Amazon. Company. Yep. Okay. It's owned by Bezos. Uh, I don't think it's it's a subsidiary or anything like SpaceX is for boring. I think this is completely it, its own thing. Okay. Um, obviously, I'm not certain. Anyway, the, the fact that this is under the NSFWC, 
is because, as always, the porn industry is on top of the shit. <laughs> um, not because they they this time they they sponsored it or anything, but because they're already releasing sex toys. I love based it. on it. I love it. I love it. So a company called um, Cosmo Toys or something. I already it's forgot Cam the name. Because that's Cam Soda. Yeah. There we go. Because that doesn't matter. <laughs> the, the names that do matter is the new sex toy line called Billionaire Flesh Rockets. Oh, love, love. Okay. Now, love. Now, obviously, as you can imagine, there are three of them, which are called the Blue Orgasm, mm. Space Sex, mm. and Galactic. Oh, I want that one. Those I are want the- Galactic. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, as you can obviously surmise, they're, they're based on the three billionaire companies, uh, Blue Orgasm for Origin, SpaceX for SpaceX, yeah. and Galactic, which is the best one. Is it really? Galactic. Uh, yeah, I would say Virgin Galactic. Uh, <laughs> oh, is that what it is? I just, I thought it was like... <laughs> anyway, anyway. It's based on Virgin Galactic. Okay, okay. Oh, I get so, it. I get it. So oh, the, I see what Blue Origin is Blue Orgasm, SpaceX is SpaceX, yes. and Galactic is Galactic. Like, yes, that just dawned on it. me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, well, that's what it, it sounds so tacky, though. But they look even more tacky. Describe them for like, us. Okay, so Blue Orgasm <laughs> is this weird ass alien penis with. Uh, or more like a Hulk penis because it's got these veins hey, and, and these bulges and everything. It looks bad. <laughs> Space Six, on the other hand, is this pitch black rocket. It it's it doesn't you look see, like a penis. That that's <sighs> more me. I like minimalism. I would go for, for the it's Space so Six. Vanilla end. though. Yeah, but I, it's still no like <laughs> no. Personally, I would go with Galactic because that it looks like a great white shark. <laughs> With like a penis tip and like fins, shark fins, but it's obviously rocket so fins. I, I assume they didn't really try very hard, pun intended, no, to, to emulate these toys on the actual rockets. Because, no. because Blue Origins rocket needs no imagination. That thing is a giant penis. Exactly. If... Like SpaceX is the one without the imagination. I would imagine that would be Blue Orgasm, you know? Yeah. If yeah. you look at the actual yes, rocket. But, that, 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 but no, see, it's this actual monster oh, you know you're what? getting if you're buying this you, one. You know, you, this actually irritates um, me a little bit because all this is, this, this just screams first to market so we can get money because it's funny. Instead yes, of actually exactly giving us something that looks like the Blue Origin rocket that you can masturbate with. Missed opportunities, exactly. guys. Missed opportunities, honestly. That's exactly what I'm thinking. Cam Soda. And I don't know. It just looks Cheap. shit. <laughs> it looks tacky. Yes, because there's no originality. But they they, they took off the shelf That's toys just and just gave them cool names. <laughs> I mean, really? <laughs> That's <laughs> Actually, actually, now that I look at the image, Galactic looks like that whatever you get from if you make a toy out of Splice, the movie Splice. Oh, no. Um, Nobody wants that. That's what nobody wants. That that's what Galactic oh, looks like. Goodness, okay, that's not. Uh, uh, that's not great. <laughs> Do you know? Oh, again, that, that's a. Oh, I yes. see. It has finally put a photo here for me to see. No, these are <laughs> these are SpaceX is the best one in my personal opinion because 
The it's other, so the other two don't even look like rockets. It's just very rocket. disappointing. It's a toy yeah, rocket. Very disappointing. All right. Well, and please check the link. Yeah, it was a tiny Go and, go and check it out. <laughs> please do. Uh, I thought it was interesting enough to mention. Yeah, it is. It is, Edward. Well done. Well done. And yeah. Well, on disappointing things, right? Disappointment. Because, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yes. Even Edward's disappointed by this. Is Gunpowder Milkshake from Netflix. Avoid. Don't even bother. It's, uh, <laughs> uh, thank you so much for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> <laughs> I, I dig that, Hunt. <laughs> Actually, like, it's so bad we don't even no, speak about no, it. No, it's not, it's not, it's not, no, it, it is bad, but I mean, it's, it's bad and, okay, it's kind of, yeah, it's like Mortal Kombat bad. You remember when I spoke about Mortal Kombat? Yeah. But maybe Okay, L- let me let me just let me just talk about the film before 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 that. So Okay. Gunpowder Milkshake it starts off really strong. Like really strong. I'm talking about, you know, you have these incredible incredible um actresses. And um mm-hmm. they you know, they're they're pulling the movie basically. Um, and, and in particular, we're talking about Karen Gillan, which is really strange because, you know, you, you don't often see her outside of uh, Nebula from Avengers. And it was it was really weird to see mm-hmm. her in the role. Anyway, so like the, the, the main the main woman in this film, because it's very much about like they don't really push women empowerment, but you know, it's, it's implied. Right. Uh, Lena Headey from Game of Thrones. We have Michelle Yeoh, mm-hmm. who's just absolutely phenomenal. And she's a. Uh, she plays yeah, such, she such a great role in the new Mandalorian, the TV series. Um, as well as, where is she on here? Angela Bassett. Man, do I love that woman. She is so beautiful. Anyway, so, oh, and then there's also one more. Then also Carla Gugino. I don't know if I'm pronouncing her name correctly. But you, y'all will know who she is. You know, all of these actresses, they're very popular. They're very good. They're very talented. So the movie starts off very strong. All right. It, it, it has vibes of... John Wick. I know we we mentioned that before for Pig, but genuine John Wick vibes here. Not because of mm-hmm. the killing of any animals or dogs or anything like that, but more so the world of John Wick. You know, with the Continental Hotel. In this film, it's a milkshake parlor. Um, you know, when he goes and gets guns, he he visits that one guy in the Continental. In the in Gunpowder Milkshake, they visit a library because weapons are within the books. You know, so there's a lot of really smart, really clever um, concepts in this film. And even the visual style is, it's, it's beautiful. It, it reminds me a little bit of like uh, uh, Frank Miller, a little bit. You know, it's, ve- it's very stylized, right. you know, like the way that things look and things like that. However, however, the issue is that you think you're watching a new Kill Bill and it ends up being Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> is, it, is it like a uh, parody movie, maybe? No, not at all. Not, not that I can, I can tell. So it has all of these incredible concepts and it looks good. And it has this, this interesting comic book, cartoony style. But then it just completely loses the plot with 
some of the worst one-liners I've ever seen in a movie. Um, extremely puerile humor. You know, like there's this, there's this one scene where uh, Karen Gillian's character is being pursued by three henchmen. Okay, and they're, they're typical henchmen. And she beats them all to a pulp. And then they go to the doctor to be fixed. And the doctor is in a very stylized dentistry, pretend dentistry, where everybody has to put their guns in this massive tooth. Okay. Anyway, so they're there. And then there's this, this, this is literally where the movie goes downhill, in my opinion, is, um, you know, things happen. And now, of course, Karen Gillian's character has been ostracized from the firm, which is what, who employed her. Very much like what happened to John okay, Wick. Okay. And, you know, anyway. Yeah. anyway. Um, it's super similar. It's very, very similar. But then, where the moment that you can just tell that where there's a, that switch in, oh, this is stupid now, is there's literally this like five-minute scene of these three henchmen who've all been exposed to laughing gas. And all they do for five minutes is laugh about the dumbest stuff in the room with the doctor that they're getting high with. And you're just looking at this and you're like, this is adding absolutely nothing to the story. These three characters are inconsequential to the grand scheme of things. And they're actually just very irritating. And that unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately becomes the, the, the mood for the rest of the film. Unfortunately, mm. where the rest of the film, look, it has some, some good moments, right? Like there's this one where the whole, the, it starts off with Karen Gillian has to kill this accountant. Okay. So she goes to the accountant, she kills him or she shoots him. And then it turns out that he was doing it because he stole the money or whatever, because his daughter was kidnapped. So Gillian's character is like, oh shit, you know, she feels bad because she has mommy issues. All right. So then she, okay. she takes the guy to the doctor to get healed and then asks him where the daughter is and goes to rescue the daughter. Okay. Goes and rescues the daughter. And when she's there, she beats those three thugs up. But then at the same time, she has to rescue the little girl. And then they go on this other little side mission where she eventually comes up with these masked people who kidnap the girl. Um, and then they, they have like this piece where they have to switch the money with the girl and they use trolleys. Anyway, it's, but he, anyway so it happens. Then she makes sure the girl's safe and then she chases after them. And as she chases after them, these other guys turn on each other and all kill themselves. <laughs> and so Karen Gillian's character just watches. She just watches it all unfold. <laughs> and then before she okay. can get the money, it blows up. So like that to me was, was, was a bit of a fun scene. Because you know, it's interesting that the main character literally does nothing and watches them all kill each other because they, they're betraying yeah, each yeah, other. Yeah. But, you know, it was still very over the top. You know, and, and like the humor's dumb. Like, you know, the one guy gets like stabbed in the neck and then there's this whole like, uh, you're like over-exaggerated. Like, uh, and then the blood just like shoots everywhere and you're just like, okay, it's not, not really funny. Um, and then, mm-hmm. you know, like dumb one-liners. Like, like this thing that sticks out the most to me was there's a scene where now Gillian's character has this little girl with her the whole time and they go to the library to seek solace because they're being pursued by the firm, which is against them now. And when they get there, um, Angela Bassett's character is like, no, you a bitch. You don't deserve to be here, right? But she swears, okay? She says the F word. And then the other woman, then I think it was Michelle Yeoh's character or it was Carla uh, Gugino's character is like, no, no, don't swear. 
there's a little girl here. So then they start saying fudge for a whole five minutes, swearing at each other, but like, fudge you, fudge that, fudge. That. And they're just like looking at this okay, and you're just like, stupid. okay, um, it's wholly unnecessary. And you're having these- It's forced comedy. Yes, yes. And you're having, you have these incredible actresses, incredible actresses doing the most, <laughs> the dumbest lines. You know, like there's even a scene, and it's not yeah. even a spoiler where 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 um, Carlo Gugino dies, but just the whole like, uh, uh, you know, she's like dying for like five minutes. <laughs> it, it, it's stupid. It kind of sounds like stupid. a movie called Kung Pao. Kung Pao. Chicken, oh I no 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 no! That that is purposefully dumb. And it's excellent. Yes. This now this no. sounds like it was purposeful. This is not. It's not. It's. It would watch it and you'll know what I'm saying. It's it. And if it oh, okay. and if it was purposeful, then it didn't come across as such. In which case, that's a flaw. Yeah. Because which is if, if people couldn't tell, then you're doing a bad job of it. That's my yeah. personal opinion. Look, it's distinctly average. Even the action is not that great. Like you can clearly see, like during fight scenes, that the punches are not connecting. Um, there are other scenes where like Michelle Yeoh in slow motion is like shooting people, but the gun is not even at the person and their head is blowing mm. up. You know, it's, it's, there's so much lack of detail in this, um, you know, in, in this film detail that, yeah. that should be taken care of. And, and I remember seeing it right in the beginning, right in the beginning where, um, Karen Gillian is sitting with her mother or young Karen Gillian and they're drinking milkshake. But it's not going down. The milkshake wasn't going down. Now, I know that's a dumb thing to fixate on. But anybody knows when you drink milkshake, even that first sip, that whole top piece starts going down, right? And, 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 yeah. and the reason why it was so noticeable to me is because this exposition of them drinking the milkshake went on for like four minutes. Yeah, it, it makes you know, you... It, it was just because, because they were like zooming in on, on, on Lena Hades' eyes, then Karen Gillian's eyes, then Lena Hades' eyes, then back on the milkshake. And I'm just like, what is happening? But, but, but yeah, the milkshake didn't, didn't go down. And then the next scene, which cuts to them now sitting back, and now the milkshake is down. And I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, stupid. it's just with little things like that that were just really stupid. That's all. I can hear your 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 pup in the background there is, is having a bit of a moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gosh. Either way, disappointing film, don't bother. And I guess that is the end of the episode. <laughs> I guess so. So just in time. Your your, your dog <laughs> decided to, to come in and say hi right at the end. I don't think that'll be an issue regardless. No, I think it'll be fine. Don't just remember Cobalt already yeah. twice was in and out of my, my study. I saw. I saw Shane. Yeah, and I was just like, I don't know why he does this. It's this new thing now where he just has to be in the room to sit with me. And so, Shame. you know, he's always pushing it's the door. It's because you have a chair in your room now. Yeah. It literally An is An empty chair that use. normally you would be sitting in, but thanks to COVID, you're no longer here. So, yep. um, I suppose, I suppose that's how it is. That's how it Good goes. Good gosh, Edward, these spectacles are killing me. Um, I should not have worn them for the first time ever for over an hour and a half recording Giddle because I am feeling it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Ooh! and you know, I can see like perfect. I don't even know why I got them. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> to get rid of your headache. Actually, actually, I do feel a little bit better headache wise. 
but Nama mm-hmm. eyes or so, if that makes uh, it, it sense. I think it's because they're a bit, yeah, I'm still obviously getting used to it. But this is purely what exactly. they're for. They're for when I'm staring at screens like this all day. So, so yeah. Okay. If, uh, you know, I'm, I'm over that hill now where I have to get spectacles and I got to go for vaccines before all of y'all young bitches out there. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Don't worry. We're all going But gonna... soon, soon your time will come, Edward. Soon your time will come. Exactly. And for those of you out there, we hope that you're also all well, looking after yourselves and that COVID hasn't been too drastic and that you all get vaccinated as well. But yes, thank you. This was the end of... Skittle 66, season two, episode 24. A little bit of a subdued episode just because um, we've been very busy in the background. I mean, when I went for the vaccine, it took me two full hours and that was already after an hour of searching for a place that would take me. <laughs> so that was like my whole day basically went, you know, try, trying much. to do that, even though it's only three hours. But you know what I mean, right? The getting there, the waiting, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, the whole thing. But I um, considered myself, I, cons- I considered the experience... Quite impressive. You know, a lot of things don't often go well in this country, but I have to say that the vaccine process was smooth and efficient. Sure, it took long. So from the time I arrived to getting jab was a full two hours, and then I waited half an hour to make sure I didn't have any reactions. But um it was clean and safe and well organized. It what what I would recommend though, what I would recommend though, especially if you're in South Africa, is if you do want to go for your vaccine. Um, do get yourself an appointment through Discam if possible. Because a friend of mine did that and it took her 45 minutes in and out um, with a, with an actual time slot. So that's a lot better than what I did, which was like, I had an appointment for the 2nd of August, but I didn't want to wait that long. So, you know, because I wanted yeah. to, I want to get this done. I want to, you know, get protected as soon as possible. Done it over. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, I went to a walk-in, uh, which is like a, a state walk-in facility. And it was very good, but obviously it just it took time because, you know, they have to take whoever comes. It's not like you're scheduled for this section. So, you know, your, your time is booked. Mm. Um, but yeah, highly mm. recommend it for those of you who are of the age to get the vaccine. So yeah, cool. Good times. Uh, Billy G is, is very annoying. He keeps talking to me uh, back there. And my, and my yeah, 5G is not as fast as I thought it would be. Disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> it's because it's bogged down. No, no, it's because I need the second dose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's it. You only have 2.5. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> anyway, um, for those of you who listen, thank you so much. I'm Edward and I appreciate it all the time. We hope that you have a lovely week further and we look forward to seeing you all again next week. Half an hour. Bye.